Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Archers, and this week I'm looking for the best book about Oklahoma. <laughs> Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Don't the do wind it with that. Sweeping down and the help plains. me are the Oklahoma dancers. <laughs> <laughs> I was do it with that voice, man. Come on. Oh, okay. Like, like all like, oh, Oklahoma, what a bunch of chumps. Right. Like, yeah. Don't do that, man. Yeah. What did Oklahoma ever do to you? And help me are two high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. Hi, Nick. I'm a high school English teacher. And if mm-hmm. you're looking for a book about Oklahoma, that is okay by me. Oh. Pause for effect. Thank you. I recommend, take a big breath, Boomtown, the fantastical saga of Oklahoma City. It's chaotic founding, it's apocalyptic weather, it's Pearline basketball team, and the dream of becoming a world-class metropolis. Written by Sam Anderson, 450 pages long. Sam Anderson sounds like a kind of guy who would live in Oklahoma. Sounds like a fake name. Right. I think most people in Oklahoma are have fake names. Really? Wait, do you think they, they actually exist? Mm-hmm. Oklahomans, um, Oklahoma we'd love to know exist? if you exist. <laughs> Sign this, sound off in the comments. Uh, howdy, Nick. Howdy, Joe. Howdy, Letheads. And howdy to you, Oklahoma. Today is Hi, an Oklahoma. auspicious day. Today is one the one day a year that America can come together and truly be as one. Or when I, when I say today, I mean two days from now, November 16th, which is famously the birthday Right, oh, celebrated every year, recognized nationwide. 115 years old. Don't look a day over 113. This week, uh, for your birthday, Oklahoma. I'm talking directly to Oklahoma now. Could you guys <laughs> give us some privacy? Yeah. Hey, Oklahoma. I, I'll take off my hands. Hey, Oklahoma. This week, I brought you for your birthday a book about your history of injustice, murder, and corruption. I brought you Killers of the Flower Moon, and this is for you, Oklahoma. Wow. I mean, that sounds like kind of a downer and kind of like you're forcing Oklahoma to hold a mirror up to itself. Oh, and to relive I, their trauma, Ian. Mm-hmm, Very. I don't know yeah. about that. I mean, it's tr- <laughs> trauma, but like abuse. like yeah. um, Whatever. Uh, be, being, being the bad guys. Oklahoma. Oklahoma, you done bad. You oh, know, ever since you guys that made that joke about nobody actually being from Oklahoma, it just dawned on me that I've never met anybody from Oklahoma. No. So pretty suspicious. Let's get into it. <laughs> May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely <laughs> enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. <laughs>, 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 <laughs> I, I like Oklahoma a lot because there are very few states shaped like uh, kitchen implements. Oh, but okay. <laughs> hold on, I gotta Google this. Tell me about it. Oklahoma is absolutely. Picture. It is Oklahoma is shaped like a kitchen implement. It's shaped mm-hmm. like a pan. It like yeah. it's got a handle. It's got a, a pot. It's got like a, a, a pot kind of oh, area. Yeah, mm-hmm. Now yeah. I'm seeing it. I was reading a little bit about this week about where that pan handle came from because uh-huh. it's such a yeah. weird geographic feature. And basically, um, in some border disputes and some map drawing, there was this area that about 80 miles wide that they called no man's land um, that basically nobody wanted to claim. And nobody Oklahoma, was. <laughs> and Oklahoma <laughs> was like, I, dibs, I guess we'll take it. <laughs> That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you, you've usually got a, a like people fighting over that land. What do you guys think? If you were Oklahoma, if you were in charge of Oklahoma, if you were the king of Oklahoma, what is he called? The Duke? The Duke of Oklahoma. What would you, 
what would you put in that? Like, I'm, I'm not thinking it's like a very long slide. Right. I assume like drag race, um, maybe like airport runways, maybe mm-hmm. longest, uh, yeah. uh, something you could like measure something noodle, really noodle, longly noodle, there. Noodle, 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 Long noodle longest noodle. <laughs> oh, like, like spaghetti factory. Longest spaghetti factory. Longest piece of pasta. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably what's up yeah. there. Pasta factory. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Do you guys, are you guys prepared with Oklahoma facts or do I need to do some Googling? I actually, um, so I didn't come with Oklahoma facts. I came with um, facts about states that are shaped like kitchen implements. So I will be. Do you guys want another one right now? Yes. Yeah. Uh, the only state shaped like a cutting board is uh, Colorado. Right. Oh, you, should, you should make us guess. <laughs> That's a silly one, though. <laughs> but now they make cutting boards shaped like every state. So mm. no, yeah, I know. But those those are cutting boards shaped like states. I'm talking about. I'm talking about state states that are shaped like cutting yeah. boards. It's a big. What about cutting boards that are shaped like states? <laughs> that's, that's cool. Well, yes. I mean those 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 just generally exist. Well, uh, I'll just oh. I'll drop these throughout the episode. Yeah, oh, just just fantastic. look forward to them. Fantastic. Welcome, litheads, to you don't know lit a weekly or as we call it strongly podcast. Or each week we pick a theme or you recommend one, and Ian and Joe, two qualified high school English teachers, bring book recommendations. Pause. And just to upset one of them, we pick a winner. Pause. <laughs> leisurely <laughs> sips. Leisure. Leisurely sips. Several sipped. hours later, between leisurely <laughs> sips of La Croix. Uh, here's a fact. Uh, Wisconsin, shaped like an oven mitt. Mm. No, it's not. That's a fact. Hey, Litheads, mm. we're back with uh, Kitchen Facts with Nick. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, though. It's not, though, because oven mitts don't have, like, a single hole for the, the pinky and finger. And to keep us on track, we have some rules. Uh, rule number one, only unavoidable spoilers. Rule number two, omit needless words, Joseph. And rule number three, words, only when Joe. it matters today. Game faces. And, of course, we have shadow rules. Uh, really, just one rule this week. It is turn the lights on at night or the unseen hand will strike. So, oh, my God. That's keep that in mind. Uh, Joseph, do you want to take 30 seconds and tell me what your book is about? Yeah, I actually am going to bring it to you in words from the author himself. Uh, he says... I got carried away, and I spent five years writing a book about Oklahoma City, uh, the most secretly interesting place in America. I'm not from Oklahoma City, and I never expected to care about it, but then the New York Times Magazine sent me there to write a, uh, an article about the basketball team, the Thunder, and I got sucked in. What I found is that OKC is one of the great weirdo cities of the world. Oh. It holds our entire history of our nation compressed. I tried to cram it all in. Outlaws, sit-ins, tornadoes, uh, Durant, Westbrook, the flaming lips, city planners gone wild. Capitalism propaganda museum, roadside trash, mega churches, grown men stoically weeping, etc. Boomtown was published in 2018. In 2019, it won a bunch of awards and was a daily double clue on Jeopardy. That can probably almost be added to any book. It was on right. Jeopardy. It was once. a daily. Well, it was a daily <laughs> double clue on Jeopardy, which is oh, a, which is outside of Final Simpsons. Jeopardy, probably the most Simpsons important clue. Sweet, Ian. In the early 1900s. Oil was discovered beneath the Osage Indian Reservation in northeastern Oklahoma. As a result, the Osage people who owned the land gained tremendous wealth. Wealth, you say? Surely that didn't prompt opportunists to swoop in and take advantage of the Native Americans. Bad news. It did. I brought Killers of the Flower Moon, which is all about bombs and poison and conspiracies in Oklahoma and secrets that lay dormant for nearly a century. Boy. Uh, not 
fiction. No, no. If they find oil where you live and you don't have a bunch of weapons, I think I think it's all over. You're for gonna you. have a bad time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Even if you kind of have a lot of weapons, it's often all over for you. Right. What if you're white? <laughs> well, it's easy. it's better if you're ah, white. I mean, yeah. it's iffy, right? Like, yeah. Ian, what I know about your book is that um, uh, Martin Scorsese, I believe, is oh. trying to make a movie about it. With Leonardo DiCaprio and six years, Robert De Niro and yeah, all the major players, the big the boys. Scorsese crew, right? Yeah, the the, the classic Scorsesems. They call them they call themselves the Scorsesems, which I don't. I think is a missed opportunity to say something more clever and classy. But you know, I'm not going to tell Leo how to live his life. Speaking of telling him not to date people who are half his age. Speaking of bad nicknames, I am uh, reading. <laughs> full stop. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> full stop on that one. Um, I am reading uh, Grapes of Wrath because oh, I did some recent road tripping and it's a long mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm about halfway through, but I would like to bring up the term Okies because Okies. that is, have you guys read this book? Have you seen, have you read this book? Yeah. yeah I uh-huh. also have. Yes. Nice. Yeah. So then you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okies. Yes. <laughs> I'm not really sure how that ends, but ah, don't tell me. It's probably not. <laughs> it's, it's a really happy ending. <laughs> it's. Ian, yeah, you're gonna go last. Joe, tell me oh, why you're wrong. I did not out. see that coming. <laughs> Nick, I want to start with a game. Nice. <laughs> this game is called Oklahoma or No Oklahoma. Nice. I'm going good, to give you a good, thing, good. and you are going to tell me if it is a thing that Oklahoma is widely associated with. In which case, you would say. Oklahoma, or if it is a thing that is not really an Oklahoma thing, at which you would say no Oklahoma. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll write it down. Okay. Um, Nick, we'll start with one. Ian has already um, has already alluded to this, or and but when I say alluded, I mean he has explicitly stated it, uh, it. which is the opposite (laughs) of an illusion. (laughs) Um, Nick, oil is oil Oklahoma or no Oklahoma? Sounds like definitely yes, Joe. I'm sorry, Oklahoma. Yes, Oklahoma. Thank you. Oklahoma City, which my book is primarily about, sits on top of the second largest lake of oil in the world. Wow. Yeah, which, by the way, they did not know when they found the city. The city was there for like 50 years before they figured that out. Oh, man. I bet you got to be pinching yourself on that one. Mm, there's actually an <laughs> oil derrick, or there was for many years, on the like uh, outside the capital. Like the Capitol building where they do the government, Amazing. there was just an oil derrick. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Nick, Oklahoma or no Oklahoma? Democrats. Democrats. <laughs> Oklahoma or no Oklahoma? Hang on. Is, is Nick the only one that gets to play this game? Oh, no, about he, me? Ian, well, yeah, sure. You can also play. It feels like we should both be able to play. <laughs> Ian, why don't you take this one? I'm going to say no Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Okay. Nick, do you I'm going to say you? Oklahoma because there's probably definitely some Democrats there. Well, there are probably some Democrats in Oklahoma. Okay. Research hasn't uh, panned out yet. Um, however, no county in Oklahoma. Think of that. No county in Oklahoma has voted for a Democratic president since the year 2000. Um, they're on a bit of a dry run. It is a totally red state. Wait, so they voted for they voted for Al Gore, but they didn't vote for Obama? Really surprising me as well. Yes. 
Al Gore just inspired something about the good people of Oklahoma. Maybe it was like the Bill Clinton connection. Yeah, could be. Could, could have been be. a Bill Clinton connection. Yeah, that might have been it. <laughs> All right. Tattoo parlors, Nick and Ian, Oklahoma or Noklahoma? I'm going to say Noklahoma. I bet they, they like it clean. Clean like skin. Clean. Yeah, clean mm-hmm. skin. Bunch of serial killers. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to say Oklahoma. I want to say yes. That they're really into tattoos in Oklahoma. Yeah. Well, if they are into it, they could not have been into it until the year 2006, because that is when tattoo parlors became legal in the state. Wow, yeah. Amazing. (laughs) Serial killer. All right. Just a couple more here. Supersonic flight. Supersonic flight. Oklahoma or Noklahoma? This is very specific. I'm going to definitely say Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah, I think that the, maybe some of the Chuck Yeager stuff was out there. That that seems like the right situation. Oh, maybe that's what that strip is for. <laughs> that's that's yeah, where they... a taxi a long way to get up to speed. It's like in Back to the Future when you have to hit 88 exactly. gigahertz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, supersonic flight is definitely Oklahoma, although that this one might need an asterisk. When Boeing had developed its first supersonic jets and they wanted to test it for commercial flight, like they kind of saw like the future of commercial flight is supersonic. There was a huge problem with it. And that is, is that when you go supersonic, you create a sonic boom and they weren't sure how much sonic booms would like bother local populations. Yeah, right. They weren't sure what the effect would be. Like if you have, you know, 500 flights a day leaving that all go supersonically, what is that like? So Boeing tested this in Oklahoma, specifically over Oklahoma City, and then gauged the reactions of uh, citizens there. Uh, The citizens are very stoic. They did not complain about it much at first, but apparently it is unbearable to live near an airport in which supersonic flights leave like 20 times a day. That makes Oof. sense. Capitalism, <laughs> capitalism, <laughs> Oklahoma or no Oklahoma. Well, it's in these great states of America. I'm going to go ahead and definitely say Oklahoma. Um, Certainly the probably, states have never been divided on the topic. Probably, <laughs> o- probably Oklahoma. I don't know. I don't yeah, I, it's, I feel like I feel like Nick, I feel like he's lying in wait. He's like a, a, a snake in the grass waiting to, to strike. Oh, yeah. It's a filthy, rotten liar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe I should have said aggressive capitalism. Oklahoma, ah. Oklahoma City have embraced capitalism beyond what most cities uh, have, beyond what most cities have to the point like everybody's capitalist. They celebrate their capitalism sure. and they actually have a museum in Oklahoma City that is dedicated to just how amazing capitalism is, in which we can only assume uh, generation after generation of Oklahoma school children are paraded through and propagandized. So thank you for playing Oklahoma and no Oklahoma. Um, you both. Note win. Yes. Congratulations. This book is about Oklahoma. It's more specifically about Oklahoma City. Most of it focuses on like the city itself of Oklahoma. And the structure of this book is it's it's kind of great. It's this series of parallel narratives, like these short little essays kind of that like that rapidly cross cut each other, like these quick little essays in short chapters. Um, You got a sense of what some of those things were about when I read my intro here. So like outlaws, sit-ins, tornadoes, the Oklahoma thunder, the flaming lips, right? But there's just more and more and more. We've talked about kaleidoscopic books in the past, um, you know, where like you kind of get a sense of all these things and together they form a picture. This book is is that. 
it's kaleidoscopic. I saw one review actually talk about it as like a Jenga tower. The effect of the cross credit structure is to turn Oklahoma City into a kind of giddy Jenga tower, a mismatched jumble of fascinations. You guys ever play that really large Jenga where like the pieces are as big as your forearm? It's, right. it's incrementally more terrifying because if it falls, it could like crush a small so person. So scary. So sure. scary. Joe, if somebody mm. like pulled one of the chapters out of this book, if I'm understanding you correctly, the book would crumble in on itself. What what happens? Because Jenga, a big part of Jenga is um, the falling is the yeah. crashing. Tell us about the pieces that can fall. Yeah, like who starts? How is this going to break apart? Good question. Good questions. Oh, so Ian's Ian's causing trouble here, but this book at the center of it, it is a story of Oklahoma, and the story of Wait, Oklahoma. Are you just rejecting is a, my bit? What is no, this? No, 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 hey, no. I, I, I'm saying that you're, there's a little chicanery <laughs> in your question that you're, you're causing trouble. But this book tells the story of Oklahoma as a series of booms and busts. My book is called Boomtown. It tells the story of Oklahoma as it comes into tremendous wealth, tremendous levels of population, tremendous prosperity, and then for some reason or another, loses it all, much like a collapsing Jenga I'm going to tell you guys about Grapes of Wrath. <laughs> so on Grapes of Wrath, uh, not the movie, the book that I like to say on Grapes of Wrath. <laughs> I get to, I get a nightly show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do you guys see what happened on last night's Grapes of Wrath? It was crazy. <laughs> it was wild. Everybody from Oklahoma is leaving. Now, I'm going to go ahead and assume, Joe, that that was during their bus times. <laughs> that was a bust in Oklahoma. So get to the book, Joe. Tell Is this a you're yeah. just going to tell us a series of, of facts here or is there no, there's I not a story? Is there? There's there's not a story. There is there's not a story in the fact that there's not like characters that you follow all the way through. There's not like a narrative with the satisfying conclusion, etc. Instead, what he does is he paints a picture of Oklahoma through these vignettes, through these short essays, a word through picture. these short stories. He paints a word picture. Um, and the effect, it, it's it's cleverly built in a way that like when you get to the end, you get this essentially this. You get this interlacing and on one hand, like on one set of laces, like one end of the zipper, if you will, right? One, <laughs> one end of the zipper is the history of how Oklahoma was founded, right? From its very earliest days as an Indian territory to the time that it was incorporated and made a state all the way up until pretty much present day, like through the Oklahoma City bombing, et cetera. On the other end of the zipper is mostly a story about the Oklahoma Thunder, the Oklahoma City basketball team, and how they what? have followed us. <laughs> okay, it surprised me as well. Other, I'm sorry. So the was it the left or right side of the zipper is the uh, sports team? The dealer's choice, right? Either side of the zipper. Uh, the important thing is that there's interlacing stories, interlocking stories, and it pretty much alternates every chapter. <laughs> you needed a visual cue to say that. <laughs> Well, yeah, but now you can see it. <laughs> why? 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 Well, yeah, why is that? Why is this the premise okay. of the book? When I started reading this book, Nick, the last thing I thought Oklahoma was going to be is interesting, right? Like when you introduce the show and you say, we brought Oklahoma, you say it with a little bit of a smile. Like what on earth is there to say about Oklahoma? Right. Like what a strange thing to talk about. I didn't say that. Nick, 
well, you kind of, it was in your eyes. Litheads, it was in his eyes. Uh, Nick, when you read this book, Oklahoma is undeniably interesting. Can I tell you just one story to illustrate? Nick, do you know how Oklahoma was founded? Have you ever heard of the Oklahoma land rush? No. Blank slate. When Oklahoma was founded, they opened up the land. I mean, they they took it from the native people that were living there. <laughs> and then they opened clear. it up. Yep. Then they opened it up. But here they had this large chunk of land, and it was one of the last states to actually become a state. I think the number is like 46 out of 50 yeah, somewhere. 46 out of 50. So it's actually a really late state for something that's in the middle of the country. That's kind of surprising. This is the late 1800s. They had this state that they wanted to settle, but they wanted to do it quickly. And the government solution was, hey, we're going to make all of the land in the state free for anybody that can get there first. Okay, so we're going to hold people on the territories of the state or on the I'm sorry, we're going to hold people off on the borders of the state. We at noon on a certain day are going to shoot off a gun into the air and tell them to go. <laughs> exactly how I had people, imagined a story happening it, in Oklahoma. <laughs> we're going to shoot a gun into the air, tell them to go, and they are going to make a mad dash for any piece of land that they can that they can get. And they are welcome to any piece of land that they can improve. And the result is kind of exactly what you imagine would happen. Thousands, tens of thousands of people showed up, gathered at the borders of Oklahoma. And when this gun went off, it was just a total free for all for the best land in the state. Um, they didn't really know what the best land in the state was going to be, but they like knew where the railroads were and where the rivers were and stuff like that. Wow, that sounds fun. It was tremendously fun. There was it was How also many tremendously died? dangerous. Not <laughs> <laughs> many. Uh, there was also a lot of uh, cheating that went on. I heard Ian say the word "sooners." Ian, do you know about the cheating? Boomer sooner, baby. Do you care to elaborate? Okay. <laughs> that yeah, they they some people snuck. So the 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 University of Oklahoma's um, their their mascot instead of being something cool like the Supersonics or the Bucks, their mascot mm-hmm. is the Sooners. And um, it, it's named after people who broke the law to steal yeah. land faster. I guess. Y- yeah, absolutely. Um, for ex- the story that they tell is like the marshal, the U.S. marshal is sitting in what will be Oklahoma City. And he kind of calculates that even like afternoon, after they shoot these guns off at noon, even the soonest people, if they like got all like a series of racehorses and could get there as quickly as they could, he figured it would take him about two hours to get to where Oklahoma City is. After they shot off the gun and after they said go, it took about like 10 minutes before people started creeping over the horizons. And pretty much what people had done is like hidden in trees and under railroad cars and like dug holes in the dirt to like sneak out and claim this best land. That's the founding of Oklahoma. And what this book does is basically says pretty much the entire development of Oklahoma has been chaos, like chaos ridden event, like explosion of population after explosion of population after bust. Um, It parallels the development of Oklahoma with the development of the Oklahoma City Thunder, the basketball team, which had kind of its own meteoric rise and then eventual kind of kind of fall. Um, And it tells this story of like basically how this chaos, this 
chaos of um, of population, this chaos of wealth, this explosion of everything was tamed by a series of basically well-meaning people, whether that be like the head of the Chamber of Commerce of Oklahoma City, whether that be the general manager of the Oklahoma City Thunder, etc. And the result is I don't know, a book that makes Oklahoma seem pretty freaking interesting and a book that was super fun to read. Joe, why should anybody be interested in Oklahoma? A question well, a question worthy of every episode that we that we focused on a state. True. Yeah. We should always ask why 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 this book teaches us about Oklahoma even when it's like Dracula. I want to just add on to this question if it's okay. Joe why should anyone who's not required for a podcast to read a book about Oklahoma care about this book? Mm, thank you. Yeah, Ian. this book. Well, number one, this book does the John McPhee thing, which like you don't have any reason to be interested in Oklahoma. And two chapters into this book, you are in a position where you think, oh, Oklahoma might be the most interesting thing I've ever read about. Um, so, so like number one, the pure pleasure of discovery is why you should read this book about Oklahoma. Number two, Sam, um, what's his name? Sam, the writer, Sam Anderson, award-winning writer of this book. Yep, Sam Wise Gamgee Anderson. Sam Wise Gamgee Anderson writing this book. He makes a case for it of like Oklahoma being kind of a microcosm of America. And yeah, it kind of has to make that case because like he wrote the book and like he has to mm-hmm. say something mm-hmm. profound about it, et cetera. But when I was reading this book, I was I kept like thinking about what my Tiffany's would be, like what my safe space mm. would be. And the thing I kept expecting to say, expecting to think is Oh, I think it's a little bit forced. Like, I think like the parallels between the development of this state and the development of this basketball team or whatever, like, like they're, they're not going to match up that nicely. And like, it works well to structure a book, but ultimately like, it's just, it's, it's a little heavy handed. You feel like it might not deliver on its promise. It might not deliver on its promise. Like that's what I was expecting to say is like at moments it feels stretched, but having finished this book, like, like 20 minutes before we came on today, <laughs> having finished this book, I think it totally delivers on this promise, right? Like I totally buy this series of booms and busts, this interesting, compelling narrative. Like anytime you tell a story about a state, you got to figure out how to structure the damn thing. Right. And he has chosen to structure it through this series of booms and busts, this chaos met by the people in Oklahoma who tame the chaos. It ends up being a compelling story, a compelling narratives filled with fun facts about Okies and boomers and Sooners and and all those things. Um, Hey, Nick, if I might say it's a bit of a slam dunk. That's not in my notes. That's an ad lib. It's really good. Mm, Really good ad lib. (laughs) I think yeah, there's no you. way we're not going to end there. So, just <laughs> so anything else you want to say? Okay, I, I do have a question, which I guess will get cut. Joe, yep. Did you talk about the thunder and and the the <laughs> <No>. airplanes? <laughs> no. Well, oh, the thunder and the airplanes. Yeah, the Oklahoma City Thunder. I talked about a little bit. Oklahoma City stole the Seattle SuperSonics. Um, right. It, there was like a coup kind of, right? right? So right. The, the Seattle Supersonics uh, were kind of coming on hard times. They were like this pro team that had had some past glory, but had really languished in mediocrity, mediocrity for a long time. And a group of businessmen from Oklahoma City who had built a stadium hoping to attract a major league On hockey spec. team. Wow. Yep. Yep, they, they were just built a stadium hoping that they could get a professional sports team, got rejected by the NHL. They started shopping kind of 
They approached the Supersonics and said, hey, Supersonics, we think we can revitalize your organization. We're totally never going to move you to Oklahoma City. Like, like we would never, ever, ever do that. Here, we would like to make an offer on the team. We're going to revitalize it. They sold, right? They, I guess these groups of people from uh, whatever bought it. They kept the team in Seattle for a little while, and they really did a lot to revitalize the franchise, right? They got some exciting young draft picks. A, a young man who's uh, named Kevin Durant, who you might have heard of, uh, came in and became their franchise player and has been absolutely outstanding ever since. Um, and then within like three years, they moved it to Oklahoma. And the story of that is not so much like, when I tell that story, it sounds extremely shady. Sam does a better job telling the story because it's only a little bit shady when he tells it. There's also a confluence of circumstance like um, Hurricane Katrina happens and the New Orleans Pelicans come up and all of a sudden the NBA thinks uh, like and the New Orleans Pelicans are very well received in Oklahoma City. They get tremendous turnouts like when they weren't really in New Orleans and the NBA goes, huh. Oklahoma City might be a viable place for a franchise. Um, when they had to change it from the Supersonics, um, they changed it to the Thunder as kind of an homage to a the weather in Oklahoma, like this place where where there's weathermen that are treated as celebrities because the weather in Oklahoma is surprising and violent and unpredictable. Um, so it's a bit of an homage to the weather and a bit of an homage to the supersonics, um, who are of course named after Boeing and supersonic flight and all those things. So the Oklahoma city thunder. That's, that's awesome. It's just, a, it's a weird, it's a weird coincidence that the supersonic flight, then, then, then the supersonics came over. That's just weird. Yeah. Sam Anderson actually says that it was such a weird coincidence that when he discovered it, he was afraid that people would think he had made it up because it was so it worked so well narratively for his book. That's everything I have to say. Nick, it's an excellent book. Slam dunk. Gentlemen, we have a lit head recommendation. It's for one book, but we're just going to make up a theme here. Um, Yes. Frederick Mm -hmm. writes in. Uh, that we should read Franchise, The Golden Arches in Black America. Uh, it won a Pulitzer and takes on a new approach to the history of fast food. Uh, and it also comes with a question. Um, what's your favorite fast food? Oh, gosh. In and out, double double animal style, animal Whoa, style fries. What? <laughs> that's that's such a West Coast centric answer. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. double double. Listen, okay, if I if I had had recent Culver's a recent re up on my Culver's, yes, I would go Culver's, but I haven't. It's been a long time. Yes. So it's been yeah. a long dry spell. We live in the promised land of Culver's here in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I know. Joe? Yeah, I, I mean I what am I gonna say besides Culver's? It's obviously Culver's. It's, it's really? the best oh, fast food restaurant. Yes. Obviously. What about Culver's. what about you, Nick? Probably some hipster hey. doing. Oh my goodness, thank you. I'm gonna go ahead and say now this is controversial, all right? I'm ready. Uh, that Popeye's chicken sandwich was amazing. <laughs> the one that broke the country is really good. Thank you for making a brave a brave stand. There, yeah, Nick. I, I appreciate your boy. kind of resistance to sort of following. You're not a follower. So, uh, okay, who's going to read this book? I'll read franchise go, the Golden Arches in Black America. And Joe, you you need a book about the fast food? Yeah, I'm gonna read a book called Fast Food Nation: The Dark Side of the All American Meal. I don't think it won any Pulitzers, but I think it's gonna be informed, <laughs> yummy, and interesting, and all those things. Yeah, yummy. It's a tasty, yummy, snack. crammed with trans fats, <laughs> all sorts of trans fats. Uh, we should week. we should put like like calorie counts on our uh, podcast next week on our episode next week. 
guys, what state is shaped like a cheese grater? Not a bo- not a cheese, not like a flat one, but like one of them box cheese mm. graters, like a box. Like the holes? Hawaii. No, not like the holes, like the actual grater. Is it vertical? Is it on is it on its edge? I'm not gonna give you any hints. Are you just you gonna have 30 list a seconds to come up with the right answer? Go. <laughs> I think it's Idaho because it has like that handle and then you could like yeah. What? No. What are you grading your gonna cheese list with, all Joseph? Rectangular shapes and then rectangular. I'm sticking things. with Hawaii. I like the cheese holes. <laughs> the clear answer here is Minnesota. If you look at it, it looks like a cheese grater. It's got that rough edge on the top. I gotta look it's at a map kind of, of the United States. This yeah, is you gotta insane. look at a map. Of the United States. You have to so use your imagination. Yeah, North Dakota. Sorry Dakota. for being creative. Don't mm-hmm. sue me. That's a cheese grater if I've ever seen one. What else do you hit? <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to start by telling you a little bit about my book. Did you ever notice how Wyoming looks like a cutting board? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, Utah. No, Colorado. Utah idiot. looks like if it was a cutting board that somebody had slammed on its on like one corner really hard. It chipped. It broke off. Mm-hmm. Off. They Very all look like cutting boards. Mean. The entire American West looks like cutting boards. Yeah, and Florida <laughs> looks like a cutting board if the cutting board was shaped like a penis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, here we go. Let me let me talk about my, my book. Please. Oh, I think that's a good idea. Um, my yeah. book is my book is primarily though not entirely set in the 1920s and the 1930s, uh, and it's set in Oklahoma, in northeastern Oklahoma, uh, on the Osage Indian Nation. Now, this is an area as Joe has deftly alluded to which had a ton of oil underneath it. And the Osage Indians were moved to this reservation because it was rocky and deserted. And the government was like, there's surely nothing they can, they can use there. Let's put them over there. And then it was discovered there was massive amounts of oil underneath. So they... So they got relocated again, if you might No, guess. they didn't. Oh. In, a, in a startling moment of uh, justice and fairness, the government said... Well, we did negotiate that you could have the mineral rights to the land we moved you to. So I guess you guys own that that oil now. And so the Osage Indians became the most wealthy Native American tribe, like just just across the board. They were they were better off than most other people in Oklahoma, most other people in kind of the Midwest to West area. Um, But. Legal, this is going to end poorly. Oh, legal, yeah, man, but of course, of course, right? It's not, gonna, it's not going to be a story about how rich they were and how nice it was. At the end, no, and how amazing the, the it government, is now. The government and 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 sort of society saw this and they were like, mm. so they developed this legal this legal fiction of incompetency that Osage Indians who had this tremendous wealth because of the oil were not able to manage their own money. Oh no. So somebody had to manage their money for them. And the person who was managing their money was most often a husband, a wife, somebody who wasn't an Indian. Um, there's a strong, like the, the, in, in the, in the law, there was a strong connection between, well, if you're an Indian, that means you're not capable of managing your own money, but if you're white, go for it. So what a, what a fascinating string to attach, right? Like that they could say, yes. That you own the thing that you already have, and also here's how you need to manage it. Like what a right. And by the way, we will be supplying the 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 nickel counters, like the the right. uh, the button, the button. What do you call uh, yeah. it? The button counters. Yeah, let's yeah, just go with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those the guys, bu- the buttons. Um, okay, so so this is this is already kind of a, a, a interesting ch- uh, a string, an interesting chain of events, an yeah. interesting s- situation. But then the Osage started getting killed, getting murdered. Okay. Um, it took it. It 
sort of started slow, but it picked up speed. And there was a period about four years in the early 1920s, which is referred to as the reign of terror because Osage were being murdered right and left. Bodies were being found just super mysterious. People are afraid to go out at night. Um, The book focuses on one woman, one Osage woman, Molly Burkhart, as her family dies around her, her sister, and then her mother, and then her brother-in-law and her sister, her other sister. And she sees her family kind of dropping away like flies. And other people are getting killed. Other Osage are getting killed. And no one can solve it. They, they try to figure it out. They try to bring in investigators. Nothing's working. Finally, they bring in the FBI and the FBI solves it. This is before the FBI is the FBI. It's uh, they weren't allowed to carry guns. This is still early days. J. Edgar Hoover was just getting started. The FBI solves it. But then, and this is what, this is the kicker on this book. The FBI kind of solves one string of murders. But the author, David Gran, who um, is a, an investigative reporter, he's kind of done this journalism stuff, journalism type books like this one. He is following up leads in the 2000s. And he's discovering a bigger conspiracy. So the the kind of the, the book is arranged into three parts. Like the first is about the murders. The second is about the chase for finding out like who is doing this. And we think at the end of the second part, they've cracked the case. They've they've discovered like they've mapped the conspiracy. You know, they know who's done what. But then the third section, the last like 150 pages, Grant is like, guess what? There's more. So. You know, I don't want you to spoil any of this, but it sounds like a slow build. Is it? Is it kind of uh, like a, not not a slow build, like a, any sort of negative context? But it's not it's like a, you you really follow the story as they as they solved it, right? It's a mystery. It's yeah. really it is it is. I mean, we've talked on on this show about nonfiction uh, nonfiction novels. This is a nonfiction mystery novel. I mean, because we've got. We've got suspects. We've got investigators. We've got kind of like a main detective character. We've got the the, the figure who is kind of the the victim in waiting. Like we're we're gonna we're we're hoping she survives Molly Burkhart, but we're not sure if she will. And we've got like massive conspiracies being unveiled, leads being followed up, clues being discovered. It's great. It's like it is like reading um, a a mystery story, which I think is which I think is amazing. Um, I'm gonna pause briefly, if you don't mind. And ask you which state is shaped like a spatula. Oh, I think that's. I, well, hold on now. Let me open up the map again. Idaho. You can't keep guessing. I think it's Idaho. Idaho. It's got the handle. Isn't it Oklahoma? It no, Oklahoma seem... is a pot. Well, <laughs> it's like a pocket hat. Oklahoma is a pot. Um, probably go with yeah. California. A spatula, mm. California. It's got kind of a good slide. It's really flat. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think maybe I, I like would say New- no. I think New York. I'm and looking at New York. What? Yeah, what kind I, of spatula are you using, Joseph? I think we should be looking at a map. Yeah, it <laughs> well, would be funnier, a, if, uh, more fun if you didn't. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and yeah. say that Florida, if you turn on and flip it around, it looks like a spatula. A perfect option for scraping. It's a penis spatula. Um, <laughs> I feel like yep. I'm being gaslit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the things I love about this book is the sort of secret history angle to it. And this is akin to what Joe does. 
So uh, when we think of Oklahoma, we think about a lot of sort of classic Oklahoma things like the musical, which Joe threatened to sing a bunch from and still hasn't delivered on that promise. Uh, we think about the football team, Boomer Soomer. Um, we think about the fact that it's a funny shape. One of the few states shaped like a kitchen implement. Um, the fact that it's the reason that Route 66 existed. But the cool thing about this book is that Gran does the best possible thing that a, a nonfiction history book can do, which is show you something you didn't know, which as you read, you're like, this matters. Like th- there is no, there is no persuading that goes on here. He's not like, and here's why you should care about this. You're like, as you're reading it, like, yeah, this needs to be in the history books. This is stuff that, that absolutely is essential to our understanding of the 1920s, Oklahoma in this era. Um, it's like, did you guys watch the Watchmen TV show? Yes, I loved it. That was amazing. Nick, do you remember the the historical thing at the very, very, like the first, the first episode? It starts with like a historical. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's the, <laughs> the, Tulsa, the Tulsa race riots. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it starts with this kind of historic event, which is uh, gruesome. And it's, you're going to tell it better. So you just tell it. The the thing mm-hmm. that Watchmen does is the the the, the 2019 TV show. It starts off with the Black Wall Street Massacre, uh, also known as the Tulsa Race Massacre. Uh, It was basically where a bunch of KKK people in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1921 got together and were angry that black people were being successful in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. And so they killed uh, dozens of them and burned a bunch of their in the street. Yeah, just in the middle of the day. So (laughs) Watchmen, the TV show starts with this. And by doing so, you're like. You're, you immediately realize, uh, OK, like this is this is saying this, is, this show is going to say something about about society. It's going to say something about history. It's going to say something about memory and and um, trauma. And it, it, it makes you, you there's no persuasion necessary. It matters. You see yeah. immediately that it matters. And, and gr- like from my perspective, I, I don't really know about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, you to don't be totally know. honest. Yeah, yeah. And, and and when I so I did a little tiny research on this with with Watchmen. When Watchmen came out, they had to fight hard to start the show there because the execs were like, nobody knows about the 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 um, Tulsa race massacre. So why? Like why yeah. bother? Like no one's yeah. gonna get it. Why would we tell them something new? Right. The, well, this <laughs> right. is a shorthand. Like they well they want to they want it to be shorthand. You know, they're like, well, you're gonna have to set up context. You're gonna have to do this. Like why can't you right. just tell them about Martin Luther King or the sit-ins or obviously something more uh, dramatic than that. Something the you've already heard. Malcolm X. Things yeah. like things heard. like massive conspiracies to kill people and take their money. That's not new. Yeah. This is in fact, our, our trope of the week, Joe. Mm-hmm. Of the week. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> Thank you. Jesus Thank Christ. you. Uh, the trope of the week is the covert group, which is basically a big organization that gradually is revealed to control everything, mostly bad things. This is a very familiar trope. This is the image of, you know, they're all connected. You know, everyone, everyone is involved. Even the people we thought were good are involved yeah. and this the the not the, the novel the story the book doesn't need to persuade us like this matters because we see these familiar tropes the mystery the um the covert group the conspiracy the detective the victim and we're in and we're we're doing secret learning this is secret learning at its best so um who whose kind of perspective are you in the entire time and whose perspective do you learn throughout the story 
so we start, the first section starts with um, the woman I'm referring to as the victim. And she, she is the one, the, Molly, she's the one whose family is dying around her mysteriously. So we get a lot from her perspective. Um, and then gradually we move to uh, the perspective of Tom White, who is the um, FBI investigator who sent in, he used to be a lawman in Texas. Now he's um, a, a kind of old school uh, Bureau of, of Investigation guy. And so we get to see him as he sort of unfolds the case. And then the last section, we get to actually see David Graham, the author, his perspective as he is reflecting on, hey, almost 100 years later, I'm back. And these mysteries, like we solve the murders of Molly's family, but there are a bunch of other murders that didn't get solved. And he suggests an explanation for these murders and kind of kind of clarifies some of that. This is what I'm, I'm referring to. Kind of as I think about this this book as the the it gets worse. Um, oh God, uh, is this another move. trope? I, I mean, not not. It, it could I be. Mean, a it's trope, classic. Yeah. It's it's rising. Yeah, it's it's rising action. It's 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 mm-hmm. in, increasing tension. So he has this neutral. Grand, the author has this really neutral journalistic voice. He tells the stories of these murders and how the FBI's investigation kind of hits some snags and some setbacks. It's engaging. It's not sensationalist. And there's always like, just when you think, oh man, that's so bad. What happened to those people? Or like, oh, that, that bad guy that they've caught. Yeah. He, they got him. He got him dead to rights. I bet you he's going away to jail for life. And then he escapes from jail and you're like, what? It got um, worse. It, it's like, I hate that sinking feeling. Like when you're watching a rom-com or whatever, and you're in the first act of the rom-com and things are like nice and enjoyable and light and funny. I hate that you know things are going to get worse. Right. I hate that feeling right. before Act Two. Act Two is always such a downer. Huh? Act Two is a downer. Conflict. Yeah. I'm a big fan of lasagna, and I would say that uh, this is like a like a lasagna, but uh, bad instead of delicious. Oh. Uh, we all we all eat our lasagna one layer at a time. So we start with the top mm-hmm. layer, peel oh it off, God. and then we That's do devilish. <laughs> I just suck the frosting out with a straw. <laughs> frosting, frosting. Of course, mean famously lasagna frosting. <laughs> of course, mean the I don't know what the sauce. <laughs> as you as you peel back the layers of the lasagna, I'm realizing this word would have worked better as an onion. Uh, you keep discovering new layers of justice, injustice, cruelty, How do you eat sushi? monstrosity beneath it. Uh, guys, I have one more thing to say about this book, and I'm going to stop talking about. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. This is really cool. He does not. I say he doesn't like have to convince you that it matters, which he doesn't. Um, but he comes in and uh, uh, doing this really careful uh, historical research. He like he got free. He did like Freedom of, of Information Act um, requests from the FBI. He got unpublished FBI files. He went hunting all over New Mexico and Oklahoma and Texas and Kansas. And he just like he he did a ton of research for this. Talked to a lot of people. This is an argument for the value of historical research. So if we if we take it as given that the book matters, that, that, that his subject matter matters, the stuff he's talking about is worth knowing, which I think absolutely it is. My life is maybe not better, but certainly richer for knowing about like this, this, this conspiracy, these conspiracies. Glad you're doing better from this catastrophe. Ian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Grant, the author, his digging, his research helps the grandchildren of some of the victims find closure. There's like an abstract sense of justice. Like we figured out who, who did these murders, but also very concrete. Like he talks to some of these descendants and he's like, so yeah, like we, we, we did a bunch of research and we figured out like this guy is the one who is, they're all, he's dead. 
the, the murderers are all dead. Right. The grandparents, the victims are all dead too, but, but there's closure. And this is why things like truth berries and history matter because it affects our lives. He talks in 2017 when the book is published, he's talking to people whose grandparents were murdered a hundred years ago. That's not that like that's, that's three generations. That's not that far. And, and just the, the value as I read this, I see him doing really good historical research and I appreciate how well it's written and how just like necessary that research is. Welcome to Tiffany's, a safe space where you guys can tell me anything about your book and it won't be held against you. Joe, I'd like you to start. Actually, you know yes. what? Ian, I'd like you to start. Truth be told, I forgot about Tiffany's until about <laughs> uh, a couple of minutes before we started recording. I I really don't. I guess it's hard to tell. Not many notes. He throws a lot of names at you. A lot of names. You need to kind of like keep track of the names. But that's really mm-hmm. like I I read critically. Maybe take notes. I read critically mm-hmm. and I, I'm like. Yep. I'm not going to give every book the benefit of the doubt. I, I don't have like this. That's it. Joseph yeah. rip on your book now. And, and, and if you, if there's nothing negative about your book, feel free to just rip on people from Oklahoma. Oh no, I would never do that after reading this book. I think the people of Oklahoma are God's people. Um, uh, however, the one thing about anytime you have a kaleidoscopic book like this or a series of essays like this, there's going to be parts of it that are intrinsically way more interesting to you than other parts. So when I read this book, I was totally on board for the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, chapters, which really? I did not care about before this. I was totally on board for the Land Rush chapters and the founding of Oklahoma chapters. But as the book went on, like the Oklahoma E chapters got a little more esoteric. Like there was a chapter where we followed a lot around the lead singer of the Flaming Lips as he did like quirky Oklahoma things. There's a lot of chapters I just didn't care about very much. Like the, the highlights were really high and really good. And the lowlights, I found myself reading those chapters pretty quickly and not taking a lot of highlights. And, yes. Yeah, Joe, you lose. Uh, for what? sure. No. I don't is really. Tiffany's just a trap? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You, Joe, you we lost. Gotta, we got to look at this you, carefully. You lost, Tiffany's Joe, thing. you lost on your own merit. Not <laughs> Tiffany's. Thank you. Don't That's worry. all I want. <laughs> all right. Well, congratulations, Ian. Lidheads. If you want to suggest a book, suggest a theme like our theme next week, which we are going to bring a couple of fast food books and talk extensively, I assume, about like Chick-fil-A and Culver's and... Do you want fries good with that? One, good one. Good one. If you want to suggest a book or suggest a theme, you can head on over to you don't know lit podcast.com. There's a big button there that says suggest a book, suggest a theme, uh, etc. If you want to support the show, you can like, rate, subscribe, leave a review on the podcast player of your choice. And most importantly, as always, tell a bookish friend. Lidheads, Nick and Joe. I mean, yeah, I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you a quote from towards the end of the book. And this is kind of summing up the stuff that this cool stuff that David Grant is able to do or not. He says, before I left Osage County to return home, I stopped to see Mary Jo Webb, a retired teacher who had spent decades investigating the suspicious death of her grandfather during the reign of terror. Webb, who was in her 80s, lived in a single-story wooden house in Fairfax, not far from where the Smith's home had exploded. A frail woman with a quavering voice, she invited me in, and we sat in her living room. I had called earlier to arrange the visit, 
and in expectation of my arrival, she had brought out several boxes of documents, including guardian expense reports, probate records, and court testimony that she'd gathered about the case of her grandfather, Paul Peace. He was one of those victims who didn't show up in the FBI file, and whose killers didn't go to prison, Webb said. In December 1926, Peace suspected that his wife, who was white, was poisoning him. As the documents confirmed, he went to see the attorney Comstock, whom Webb described as one of the few decent white attorneys at the time. Peace wanted to get a divorce and change his will to disinherit his wife. A witness later testified that Peace had claimed his wife was feeding him, quote, some kind of poison, that she was killing him, close quote. When I asked Webb how her grandfather might have been poisoned, she said, there were these doctors, they were brothers. My mother said that everyone knew that's where people would get the dope to poison the Osage. On February 23, 1927, weeks after Paul Peace vowed to disinherit and divorce the wife who he suspected was poisoning him, he was injured in a hit and run and left to bleed out on the road. Webb told me that the familiar forces had conspired to paper over his death. Maybe you could look into it, she said. I nodded, though I knew that in my own way I was as lost in the mist as the detective and the victim had been. Webb walked me outside onto the front porch. It was dusk, and the fringes of the sky had darkened. The town and the street were empty, and beyond them the prairie too. This land is saturated with blood, Webb said. For a moment she fell silent and we could hear the leaves of the blackjacks rattling restlessly in the wind. Then she repeated what God told Cain after he killed Abel. The blood cries out from the ground.